Welcome back to the Bravo Zulu podcast, episode number 49, Nikki's legacy story. So I got the wife uh, sitting down in the studio with me, and I started asking her some of the same questions that I asked her dad and her uh, brother last week for last week's episode, uh, just to kind of share her perspective on it. Because, you know, last week you got a lot of uh, enlisted, a lot of chief talk about following in those footsteps of, of dad and sons and breaking out from the name. And I think it's important to have Nikki share her story of it because she was a naval officer and her experience, not just as an officer, but as in the medical field in the nurse corps was completely different than what she thought and had imagined and had seen growing up. And then from what the rest of us talk about and experience ourselves. So here's Nikki talking about what it was like, uh, you know, solidifying and doing her thing in the Navy. Enjoy. And welcome back to another episode of the Bravo Zulu podcast. Special edition with Nikki. Hey, boo. Hello. Um, how you been? Wonderful. Haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I bet you've been seeing too much of me lately. <laughs> been annoying her. Um, so you know you're here to join us to get the uh, Nikki version. Because, uh, you know, we recorded the last episode and you're at work when uh, your brother and your dad were in the studio uh, giving their uh, legacy of service spiel and talking about it with everyone else. And, you know, I gave you that shout out and, uh, you know, you said you listened to some of it, not all of it, my number one fan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I did want to get you in here and talk to you about it directly you know what i mean yeah because um i mean let me all right let's just in the nature of keeping it real me and your brother kind of give you a lot of shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) um out of love but you know probably a little bit out of like fuck man she's really an officer and we ain't shit yeah pretty much yeah so you know uh you listen to some of the the parts of, from your dad, right? And, um, you know, when I was asking him about what it was like when his baby girl comes up to him and said, hey, I think I'm going to do the Navy thing now. You know, like, and it was it was interesting hearing him share his story of it, right? Because you were like, oh, I don't remember it went down like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it kind of made me laugh. Because I I remember his reaction when I said I wanted to switch majors. And I said, I was interning at Time Warner Cable at the time. And I thought to myself, damn, with this pay that I'm making and then they're telling me that I'm only going to get a bump of a couple dollars if they do hire me on after i graduated it's just like i'm never gonna leave my parents house 
the salary. That, that computer science shit just wasn't. Yeah. Although that's like, that was the original passion. You know, I had to think smart and think of, it's not always all about the money, but it kind of is. You do need to pay some bills. <laughs> I got bills to pay. Yeah. And I don't want to live with my parents forever. And also, I don't want to depend on another person for money or, you know, like that I. That security I need, part yeah. of it. Yeah. So I, I remember thinking to myself, like, damn, I don't want to live with my parents forever. So I. It just so happened that I ran into my best friend who her dad was on a previous podcast. Yes. Shout out to Uncle Lou. Yeah. Um, I ran into her and she's like, oh, my God, I'm having so much fun in my prerequisite classes. And I was like, damn, is nursing really that fun? Like, I can't. I don't deal with blood very well. But, I mean, she's saying she's having, having fun. And then... um she was explaining like how her nursing courses were and she was pretty much like on the way. And then I thought to myself, like, man, she's having fun and she's going to make a whole bunch of money. She's going to join the Navy, too, because that was her path. Like she knew exactly what she wanted to do. And I thought to myself, like, man, I still kind of don't know what I want to do, but I think nursing is fun. And where you're being told it was fun. I was being told. So you're just like, I think it could be fun. I, I believe her. <laughs> yeah, because Christina, she don't, she's, she won't lie about, you know, if she's having fun, she's having fun. So I was like, dang, I think I want to be a nurse. So I came home and I told my dad, I was like, dad, I think I want to switch majors. <laughs> His face was just like, the hell you are (laughs) okay if you're gonna switch majors like you're not gonna be one of those kids that switches majors all the time because i am paying for your tuition and i had to keep that in mind like yeah damn dad is paying for tuition and it's a private college so it's not cheap i mean college isn't cheap in general but private college is like 10 times more expensive so he goes, are you sure? Are you really, really sure? Because I had also talked to my advisor and I said, yeah, I want to switch majors. And he goes, I'm going to give you a day to think about it because nursing is not one of those fields that you just dabble in. Like you ju- you, you're either in it 100% or you fall through the cracks and you're out and you just wasted all that money. So I was like, man, I, you know, if I put my mind to it, I think I can do it. I think I can. <laughs> Sounded like a little engine, not like a college student who knows so, what they want to do I mean, with themselves. I told my dad, I was like, yeah, I'm sure. But really in my mind, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. But then I knew I had to because dad straight up said. <laughs> you don't get another shot. <laughs> I'm not paying for your tuition if you switch majors the third time. So I said, well, shit, (laughs) I really, you know, it's not like he pressured me into anything. It was more like I get it. He's paying for college. So I need to be sure about what I'm getting myself into. Did you remember? Because he said um, that when he when you told him that it was was funny. He was like, oh, shit. (laughs) 
and uh, that he had asked you, I don't think when you were listening to it, we played it back, you, you didn't remember that he had asked you if you were thinking about joining the Navy at the time. He did mention it a few times, like, hey, have you thought about the Navy? And I was like, no, why would, if I'm doing nursing, why would I need it? Why would I need to join the Navy? But right. I didn't think about it at the time as like. What he was thinking about. Yeah. So that was like. he never explained it that way. Right. To you. He just said, have you thought about the Navy? You know, but in the back of his head. It was more like, you know, they have great benefits. They have great opportunities for you. It was more like, oh, here comes the retired Master Chief talking about the Navy. But yeah. it wasn't like pushy. It was just like, you know, that's still a good route to go. And I go, yeah, I know it's a good route, but I don't want to join the Navy. Like, I was doing everything I could to not have to join the military. That was my thinking, and that's that was kind of why I chose my career path, was when I was actually doing computer science, you know, because of the internship, I was actually thinking about Air Force um, direct commissioning after I graduated. So I had, like, all the books to study for the test to commission once I finished and I was like, man, I don't want to join the air force. I'm just going to switch majors <laughs> so that I don't have to join. I don't want to feel like I have to join the military at all for like, for that step. Yeah. And that's why I went into nursing. Cause like when you go into the medical field, why would you need the military? Right. That's what I thought anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you thought, and then yeah. So I had no idea that that's what Dad was thinking. <laughs> well, yeah, he because he was thinking like, if you haven't heard, go back and listen to it, please. But he was thinking, hey, if she's thinking about joining, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop paying this shit. She got yeah. a student loan. I wish, I wish that would have been like explained. Either maybe it was, and I was just hard headed, and I could see myself being hard headed and not listening because any time anything was brought up about joining the military i just shut it off i was like i don't want to join the military i absolutely do not want to join the military at all and then maybe he did and i just <laughs> just you don't just blocked it out because yeah. like no dad that's not i'm not even yeah. thinking about that no yeah but then okay so then like fast forward you finish up college struggling working but struggling major major uh I mean, it's Oahu. There was a lot of nurses graduating. Well, you know, but when I was in when I was in school, I mean, there was hospitals recruiting nurse, student nurses already. Mm-hmm. But the economy went sour. Yeah, yep. so I graduated during the recession. So, like, no hospitals wanted to hire new graduates because. New graduates required you to go through like a new graduate program through their hospital. And I, like, none of the hospitals were offering that in Hawaii. So a lot of the students were moving to like, like. San Antonio. One of your friends moved to San Antonio. Yeah, like Fort Worth, uh, El Paso. I mean, they were going to like, little towns in texas to just to get a job work there a couple of years and come back home just for the experience and i was like man fuck that i'm not trying to go to texas like ew. <laughs> and you weren't trying to go back home 
afterwards either right right, right? yeah like your whole exactly goal was- like if i'm gonna move somewhere it's gonna be somewhere that i am like building my life i don't want to have to keep moving around yeah to figure out my life just for experience but then it got to the point where i was actually contemplating it was just like man do, should i should i go to texas i mean it's just what if i just do it for a year but then it, it and then it crossed my mind like well that's just like i might as well just join the military why not <laughs> why not so then what was it like going through the because I didn't even know at that time we were like long distance, yeah, right for like a year, more than a year, right? I think a year, a year, just yeah. a year, a year and some change. Yeah, yeah, two thousand eleven, and then yeah, and then yeah, you came out two thousand twelve ish, a little bit afterwards. But when you came out, so you came out on vacation before, yeah, you actually moved here, and that's when you're like, oh, by the way, also. Christina's coming to pick me up. That was my second visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still before you moved here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't thinking about... I was thinking about the Navy, but Christina... So what? kind of the question, like, what led you to start thinking about the Navy again or for the first time? And then, like, what were the conversations you had with Christina? Because, again, like, you came to me after you'd already thought about it and been like, hey... I'm thinking about doing this. I'm going to talk to a recruiter with Christina. And I was just kind of like, all right. I mean, yeah, we're together. But whatever you got to do, accelerate your life, boo. <laughs> um. Well, my pathway in nursing was very rough. So my very first job was home health. And I did that for a year. And I did, you know, like I... Like any job, I'm going to be great at what I do. And eventually they promoted me to like case manager on top of being a staff nurse. So I do like home visits and stuff. So you got to understand with home health, I'm driving all around the island doing visits. So I'm visiting, checking out like the home environment, making sure my staff is providing efficient care. And then I'm going like all the way across the island providing care to people at home that needed that long-term care. So it's exhausting. I mean, they didn't even reimburse me for gas. So it was like, um, all of my money is going into car repairs because I had the purple stallion. <laughs> purple stallion, that 97 Camry. And then gas. And you got to think gas in Hawaii at the time was so expensive. So I felt like, man, I'm never going to I'm never gonna make money. Those were some of the, your darkest days. It was, yeah, it was very dark. And it was exhausting, too. It was very exhausting because you're not only dealing with the patient, you're dealing with the entire family when you do home health. And then I just burnt out on that. And then eventually I got a job like long-term care where it's like independent living slash um, memory care. So we dealt with a lot of like dementia, Alzheimer patients, and that was like really exhausting. And mind you, I did work with some of the greatest nurses in those were the times where, like, I really learned um, the fundamentals of nursing. But I burnt out on that, too, because they did promote me. 
you know, to assistant director of nursing. And the pathway after that is director of nursing. And I was like 23, 24, no, 24. I was 24. So director of nursing, that's like the end. That's the end of long-term nursing. That's like, what do you do next after that? And then I just thought to myself, man, I'm only 24 and like my pathway is director of nursing. Like no and, way. And you're done. Yeah. Like no way. Like I need to do like, I need to be in a hospital. Like I did not go to nursing school just to do long-term care. Like I knew I needed to do more for myself and I was just like, um, some stuff went down with my boss too. So I was just like, man, I can't, I can't do this. So it was actually my falling out with my boss that really pushed me to be like, man, my only way out of this is to join the military. Because when I was applying for hospitals at the same time, um, they finally had new graduate programs and I, they would say I'm too experienced for a new graduate program, but I'm not experienced enough to be like a staff nurse. So I was like in the middle. And then, you know, a lot, a lot of us who started out in long-term care, that's what you're, you're stuck with because like you have no other experience and you can't get any other experience because no one wants to hire you. And to me, it's just like, dude, just hire me. Have you seen my resume? Like I get promoted every time. I, I get into something, so I must be good, right? Like, just promote me. Like, I'm very good with on the on the job training. It's kind of like that typical. You're running into need experience. How do I get experience? You're not going to give me experience. Yeah, just give me experience. Like, hire just me. Just put me in the spot, and, and I'll I will. Get, yes, yeah, the experience will, is going to happen fast. I promise and, you, I'll probably be one of your all star players. I promise. You know, so. I just thought to myself, man, like the only way I can get into a hospital is if I join the Navy. I know like everyone loves veterans, right? Yeah. So I just figured, you know what, if I just do my little stint in the Navy and then just get out, like I'll be gold, I'll be solid, you know? So that was what was running through my mind. And then again, like, you know, Christina gets stationed back in San Diego. And this is the same friend, same best friend. That was like, I'm having so much fun. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, she's in town in San Diego. And then she's like, yeah, I'll pick you up. And she's telling me how much fun she's having in the Navy. Because she, her first duty station was Yokosuka. Like, no one gets overseas, like, coming out of ODS. But I didn't know that because, you know, I didn't know anything about nurse corps until she's telling me about it. And I'm like, man, it sounds like you're having a freaking blast. And so she it's not like she was trying to convince me to join. It's just her talking about it. Yeah, just sharing her experience. Yeah, it's just like, damn. I mean, she didn't steer me wrong in nursing. So why not try it for a little bit? So she was like, oh, I know a recruiter person. I can take you. You can just talk to them. You don't have to do any papers. I know where it's at. I'll talk to them. And so she helped me get started with the recruiter in here in San Diego. And that's kind of what got the ball rolling. So when you went back home and you were telling dad, 
like, hey, I'm going to do this now. What was that like? I didn't tell him. And like until... the joke I made, you know, when I was talking to him and Jerome was like, and then you're also like, oh, and by the way, also, I'm going to move to San Diego <laughs> with Josh. Um, I didn't tell dad about the Navy until after I was getting paperwork done because I feel like I, there was a time where I said, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to do the Navy. And then I didn't. And I just never, I never went back to the recruiter. Yeah. And then I think this time it was just like, you know, let me just do the paperwork and then I'll just tell dad after. Cause I don't want to get Cause, his hopes up. Yeah. He gets excited. He gets excited <laughs> about it. So I just didn't, I mean, he wasn't disappointed that I didn't join. Um, he understood that I kind of just wanted to try out, yeah. you know, civilian life first. So, I mean, he really was supportive of anything that I did. And I never felt pressure to do anything, which I think was great. And I think that's what made me into who I am today because I had to experience things for myself before I could really jump into something. So then you told him after you already started paperwork. Yeah. Go off to ODS and all that. So like, when did you realize that you were part of the legacy too? I never felt, I never felt like I was part of a legacy, honestly, because I, going the officer route like no one no one knew me no one knew my last name um but as we covered in like post talk of that like people did not till like a couple years like i think it was when i was on the was that on the mercy it was on the mercy where um it was divulged that my dad was a retired master chief when I got promoted to lieutenant. And then I did run into a f- not just a couple patients, but a few patients that were like, oh, Komia, is your dad retired master chief? Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's Michael. <laughs> Hold on. So, yeah, like... There's a lot of people that recognize your name before before you changed it over after we got married and everything, right? So, like, th- is that when you kind of started, like, realizing it? Like, or did it just still never, like, never actually click with you? Um, it, it kind of clicked. It didn't click all the way. I don't, I think it's a little, it was a little different for me because... I was in a totally different side of the Navy um, because it wouldn't be until I was taking care of someone that knew my dad that would be like, oh, wow, that's your dad. Wow, that's awesome. You're a nurse. You know, where, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, I kind of have to really step up my game a little, but not really because you're not any different from any other patient that I get. Right. So I I don't think it clicked that much for me only because um I don't know, it's just like I didn't feel like I had shoes to fill. Well, yeah, I mean that's I think that's always a good thing when when 
parents don't make their kids feel like you have to fill in their shoes. But I mean, like you said, like you're in the officer world. Yeah. And I, I think that's because I had a totally different job. I think it'd be a lot different if I was in my brother's shoes. I think I would feel pressure, even though, um, I mean, I don't know what I would feel if I was like enlisted and in the, in the chief's mess, like, or you, maybe you just recognize it more as like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, like dad was chief, I'm a chief, yeah, you know, like and you'd recognize the legacy thing more. But for you, it just so it just never really clicked. Like you're like, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm in the navy too. Yeah, my dad was yeah, but yeah, yeah, totally different navies. Yeah, it's it's it was like a totally different world, and it, it's not a, a bad thing. Um, I. It's hard. It's hard to say. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel like I was, even though people would say it is a legacy, I didn't feel like it was. I just wanted to make sure that I carried on the, in case someone came across my name, I wanted them to be like, oh yeah, that's a great nurse. Um, her last name is because her dad was a great retired master chief. He probably mentored her as an officer. And it's, it, it really is like as a nurse corps officer, it's really different because as an officer, I don't get to mentor a whole lot of junior sailors. If I do, it's a corpsman that I work close with. And I feel like my job is totally different. I don't, like, I didn't feel like I should be mentoring sailors, but if I was, it's because I felt like there was a chief that wasn't present enough. And if, I, if I'm if i stepping in as an officer to mentor someone, and, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of that. We, we used to get, like, a few lost corpsmen who didn't know how to navigate NZIPs or didn't know, like... They came across a problem and they didn't know who to talk to. And I'm like, that's a, that's a chief thing. And we didn't have a first class, like as an LPO, if it was an LPO, it was like a a departmental LPO. So like their problems were a little too low for them to deal with. It was like a second class that they had to talk to. So it was just like, ugh. Like, am I really going to put them to a, a second class for, like, their little petty problem? Like, you know, so it's just like, okay. So that's why I would call you sometimes about, like, hey, I have someone with this problem. Like, what should they do? So. And my, my answer was always, like, where the fuck is their first class or chief? Yeah, but we didn't. But you guys are weird in the hospital and fucking. <laughs> yeah. It's know. different. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why I say it's different because I've only experienced the Navy as an officer in the hospital, so I didn't really get to meet a whole lot of people who knew my dad. If they did know my dad, it was like a quick meeting. It was a very like rare occasion. It's like once in a blue moon that. Yeah. I would run into someone. But then, then, as you know, that story I was sharing with you earlier today or yesterday, it was like oftentimes in the Navy, people try to pass off knowing somebody by name, you know, closer than what they actually did. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I don't, I, 
I've heard a lot of people say they know your dad. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, I, for me, I don't really talk about my dad just because I, not, not to avoid the conversation, but it's just like, I didn't want to throw it out there. Like, yeah, my dad was a retired master chief. Like I, it was so that people, it's almost like I didn't want to name drop my yeah, dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I, I did get a couple comments like, Oh, uh, I bet your dad hooked you up to get commissioned, huh? Like, no, absolutely not. My dad had nothing to do with my naval career at all. He, we share the last name. We share the great work ethic that we have because he taught me well. But as far as how I got in the Navy and how I succeeded in the Navy, that's two totally different things. My dad had nothing to do with that other than raise me right. Uh, perfect segue there, honey. Thanks for the uh, <laughs> uh, under underhand toss there, right? Because, you know, as... Again, you weren't there that night, but like, you know, we talked about it the next day and everything uh, when you did get home from work. But the the second half of that whole conversation, um, the, the previous episode was about how people, uh, you know, talk about the Filipino mafia. Right. And, you know, as we were talking about that, I said, you know, a lot of people don't understand that it might just be this legacy of service thing that's happening. Right. Because of it's a generational thing. It's passed down. Obviously look at dad, look at your brother, look at yourself, the Berdios family that we had on and everything. Like it, it's just when you're, when you're that person, that chief, whoever officer, and you're raising your kids and you're raising them right and teaching them things. And then they end up joining. Then it can be misperceived as, Oh, your daddy hooked you up. Yeah, and it's it's really perception and misunderstanding. Um, people always say the mafia exists. It does not exist. It is just like you said. It's just a it's a legacy. So I'm going to use the Mercy for example. Like our the ICU on the Mercy was right next to the LS's office, right? So. I was kind of transitioning from Comia to Moore, so like people didn't know if I was Comia or if I was Moore because I was going through the name change. And then um, one of the LSCs was like Comia. I, you know, I I know who your dad is. He's the retired master chief. Like, you know, I used to I knew about him back in the day, and so he would like. He he would give me, like, food. You know what I mean? Like, snacks. Like, not... It's not a bad thing. It was just like, you know, just like, oh, here, here, take some Filipino chocolate. You know? But people would perceive that as, oh, yeah, there's the mafia right there. Like, that's not even it. Like, it's just... He happened to know who my dad was, and I'm sure my dad had a great work ethic. And I don't know, he fucking gave me chocolate. <laughs> you know, like, okay, thanks. Right. And, and you know, something that um, we were talking about before was like, and, and your dad mentioned was like, your dad mentioned is the perception stuff, right? Of uh, to prevent those conversations from having that the people involved have to prevent the perception from ever taking place. So, like, did you ever feel like, any kind of um 
respond like I how I asked them like did you feel any responsibility to make sure you weren't giving off that perception with any of the other Filipino kids that you your corpsmen or anything so no one could look at you and be like oh you know there it is again um I actually got an opposite response um being a Filipino officer some would perceive that as oh she's She's above the enlisted. So I had a Filipino corpsman that would not talk to me at all. And I try to strike a conversation because I knew he was from the Philippines. You know, I'd be like, oh, you from the Philippines? What part? He goes, Manila. All right, cool. What part of Manila? And he'd be like, you wouldn't know where it was. I'd be like, all right, motherfucker. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. All right. Okay, cool. I'll make sure you get all the shitty assignments, bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he was playing more like the, you know, you fucking whitewashed American. Yeah, you Like, you don't officer, know shit. Yeah, yeah, you don't know okay. shit. Okay, I don't know shit. All right, that's cool. I'm going to let you know who I am. And so, you know, I mean, like, yeah, we didn't get along, so I gave him all the shitty assignments. You want to play me like that? Okay, all right. It's not like I'm trying to be nice to you because you're Filipino. I'm trying to strike a conversation because I want to get to know you. As, you just share something in common. Yeah, we share something in common. And if I'm going to work with you that close together, like I need to know you and I need you to know that we relate on some levels. So you can come to me if you have a problem, like for anything in case you don't feel comfortable elsewhere, because I know how I know how the Navy is. I know how people act towards Filipinos. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're part of the Moffat. Like, you're good. And that's, you know, like, why would I turn to someone who thinks that, like, all I all I talk to are Filipinos? Like, I can't confide in you because you feel like I only help my own race. You know right, what I mean? Right, but you right. don't you don't make it comfortable for me. To come to you to a pro- by a making problem. comments like that, right, right. So then it forces people to only go to, so it fo- exactly. yeah, it forces, and it doesn't matter if you're Filipino, it doesn't matter if you're black, if you're a Caucasian or, or a Hispanic or whatever. Like yeah. when you treat people like that and you box them into a corner and you say, "Oh, they're good because of this," then they're going to only go to that because they're going to start believing that, and and you've just uh, uh, like alienated them. Yeah, and as as a Filipino officer I I have to recognize I have to recognize that like accents are made fun of it's not and it's not cool so I have to recognize like that there is there are Filipinos being made fun of and you gotta admit people do make fun of them and and a lot of times like I don't think my dad talks about it he practiced his English so that he could be well understood, number one, and number two, so that people wouldn't be talking shit. Because that's what people do when they yeah. don't understand yeah. someone from a foreign land. Right. So I'm gonna share a story. I there was another Filipino corpsman where another officer was like asking for, you know, help. Well, basically, like, telling him what to do. I wouldn't say asking for help. And um, 
he kind of had a thick accent, but you could still understand him. And he was trying to tell her, like, no, this is, you know, he was trying to explain how something works. And she snapped at him and she started talking slow and loud at him as if he didn't understand what she was saying. And so I had to clap back and be like, don't you fucking talk to him like that. Just because he has a thick accent doesn't mean you talk loud and slow at him and condescend him. And it's so rampant. It's so rampant that I felt like, you know, you have to be one of those people to recognize that that shit happens. So, like, yeah, of course, Filipinos are going to stick together because other people make fun of them like that. And, and that's, again, like we're talking about Filipinos, obviously, because you are. Right. But that's with anyone or anything. That, that goes yes. into, like, the workplace equal opportunity stuff yeah. and, and Simeo and all that. It's like, that's why you don't allow that kind of stuff because then it alienates people and it pushes people into corners. And, you know, when when you were mentioning about, you know, trying to get to know the other Filipino corpsman that was kind of brushing you off, um, that's called leadership, right? It's about getting to know your sailors, what you can relate to them on. So there's something there that you could build trust off of. Right. So they could be like, all right, uh, you know, here's one thing I could trust chief off of, you know, one thing we have in common. Let's let's build from there. And that's all you're trying to do. But, you know, oftentimes junior sailors, they don't want to give nothing. Right. Yeah. So the, the hard part about our side of the Navy, especially in the hospital, is if like, let's say that Corman had the problem with the officer. Right. You can talk to the chief about it, but is the chief going to talk to the J.O. about it? Half the time, no, it doesn't happen. So, you know, me during my time in the Navy, I had to, I felt like it was my duty to just make sure that that would never happen to any junior sailor only because I knew that they didn't really have a chief and that's kind of sad because like your chief should always be present know what's going on but a lot of times the chiefs would not be I don't want to say they don't have the balls to talk to a J.O. some of them a lot of them that I've come across and it's just like dude they're like 22 year old J.O.'s like why would how would you not you know what I mean for me like, I think being, you know, three and being like the more senior officer, you know, on the unit, you could just be like, yo, you need to shut the fuck up and learn your role. Like, you don't be talking to people like that. Like, would you talk to like an ensign like that? They probably would. If you they you to probably people, would, yeah. but you shouldn't. Right. You shouldn't. Do you, where do you think you got that from? My dad. Because I would think to myself, like... I've seen I've seen the way he was like growing up like I would visit him you know after school I, he we would have to carpool together sometimes and so you know sometimes he'd be like hey Nick can you sit outside and he'd have to talk to someone about something and I was just like damn I want to be a leader like that you hear him like in a stern voice like getting his point across and it was very tactful you know what I mean and I just thought to myself like man like that's the kind of leader I want to be like we're in whatever I'm doing whether it's in the Navy or not in the Navy I want to be tactful get straight to the point and show you you can't fuck with me 
And also, like, I don't want people, like, my dad was very professional, so you couldn't really tell. He he mingled with everyone. Like, there wasn't, like, one group of people that he stuck around with. Of course, he had more Filipino friends, but he made sure that he mingled with everyone and the perception wasn't that he's only stuck around with Filipinos. So I think that's just where I got it from. I don't know. Do you think there was like a disconnect from you from like the way you were raised and growing up and having those, you know, being able to, you know, ear hustle those conversations from your dad and just the way he raised you and growing up with this image of a chief, right? Master chief dad and everything. Do you think there's a disconnect from that and what you've learned the Navy to be and what you were told the Navy was um, from watching me and your brother serve and everything like that. And then you got in and you're now you're in the officer world and you're like, this isn't anything fucking what I've been told <laughs> the last 30 years, anything like it's just like a total disconnect. I don't think there was a disconnect. It, it's like I said, it's a totally different world. Like the officer world is so different. And then the officer world is different in general already. And then you get to like the medical world and that's its own world. And you're just like, what the, what the fuck is this world? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just like, I thought there's supposed to be a chief that's supposed to mentor me because I'm a JO and I thought there's supposed to be a first class LPO, but there's not. And then like, I don't know what I'm doing as an officer. I have like no mentor at all. So I had to rely on you, my brother, my dad to tell me like how to not be a your fit rep. I remember you doing your fit rep a couple times. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> is that what we're putting in there? Good thing. Uh, good thing. This next one's automatic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to share about it? Um, I, do think that like maybe being a little rougher on the edges probably came from my brother too because in a previous episode we talked about how my brother was pretty much like the man of the house so he Mm. would literally beat me up (laughs) just to be like the world isn't so nice out there you need to be like tough i'm gonna beat your ass real quick just to let you know how the world is out there little sissy yeah so, so, you know, like, okay, so while you're serving, you're realizing that it's not what you thought it was like. It's not what you saw your dad do. Did, and I think we've already shared, again, I said we make sure we don't go on the soapbox of, you know, why you got out. But was any of that contributing to your, like, getting out? You know what I mean? Because, like, again, we, we've shared the detailing process, but, like, was it also just looking at it like, this ain't the fucking Navy I, I, I thought I knew? No, because I, I, I love the mentoring part of it. Like, I was able to mentor a lot of junior sailors. And, I mean, I don't know if I made an impact on their life or not. But, you know, to see them grow from being, like, not knowing a damn to, well, look at them. They went greenside and they're the fucking dock of the, you know, the battalion. So to me, it was so amazing to watch them grow. And I think that was my favorite part of the Navy Uh, and baby nurses, too, because you see them grow up and then 
Like they're off. Even where you're at now, you say you run into a yeah, lot of them now. They're now. like in CRNA school, which yeah. is nurse anesthetist, and it's just like, damn, why I fucking mentor that motherfucker? <laughs> I'm know? not there, but they are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it was crazy. Uh, I think I shared this maybe once. Um, but I actually ran into one of your corpsmen, who's now HM1, uh, where I'm currently. HM1 or HM2? HM1. Yeah, he's an Asian one now. Yeah, uh, well, I think I think coming out of IDC school, it, it's an automatic thing. I'm not Shut sure. Shut up. But yeah, so I was just like bebopping around my area, and I've shared this with you, I'm sure, right? But um, he was like, uh, "Hey, chief," I was like, "Yeah, what's up?" You know, then he was HM two still, right? I was like, "Yeah, what's up?" You know, you, you need something? I didn't know who the fuck. It's like, uh, what do you say? Something about like, yo, um. Some about you know your your wife or something, and I'm like, yo, who's this motherfucker right now? <laughs> mentioning my wife, like this little second class right here, mentioning my wife. Like, do I need to go home right now? Like, what's good? And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, um, he's like, actually no, she, you know, she was a nurse on, on one of the floors or something back yeah. in the day, right? And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you used to work with her. And he's like, yeah, you know, she's so badass, and like, you know, he was gassing you up and everything. I was like. Yeah, yeah, that's my boo. That's my boo. Yep, yep, that's her. That's her. Cause yeah, I recognize you recognizing me. You know, he's like, cause I, I you see her pictures of you guys, and I, I could recognize your hair. <laughs> and, you know, just still wearing masks and everything. And I got my, you know, my Rico Suave slick bag. But I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, so he's come around a couple different times when uh, I was talking to like the corpsman of of my area. He's like, oh yeah, man, yo, Chief, Chief Moore's wife is so cool. You know, she used to train me up, this and that. Like, she's a real one, and I was like, so you know, whenever. And there's been other accounts too of uh, who was that? There's that one uh, LS that was like doing the um, what do you call that? Uh, the, the oh, he was going for a meetup. Yeah, he was going for a meetup. Yeah, he was doing like the ghost. What do you call that? Shadow the shadow. A program or something where they go over there and shadow you guys or some shit like that, right? And he he recognized you or recognized the name and was like, you know, oh, are you like Ellis One's wife? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, man, I forgot all about him. Yeah, I remember everything. Did he? Does anyone know I if he ever know. got into Misup? I I don't. If it's the person I'm thinking about, no, I think he made chief though this last oh, year. Good for him. Um, but yeah, so. So, you know, you you do have a very uh, strong part of not just the Comia legacy, but also now the Moore legacy, which yeah, I, I hope yeah, does not continue crazy. with our children, <laughs> if I must say. But, um, you know, so I just want to get you on here, babe, and make sure you hear your side and you're part of it and everything, because like it's very important. You know, you are the highest ranking family member of the whole family, no matter what. Until one of the grandkids or someone goes officer too. Okay, it's only a lieutenant. It so. is, but you know we, we still had to salute you. You know, so don't don't downplay it, sugar. You know, uh, me and Jerome will take care of that. You know, offline. You know, make sure you know your role. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyways, that's all, babe. That's all I got. Um, anything else? Mm, no. All right then. Let's get out here and uh, well, go to bed. Oh, yeah, it's late. Yeah, it's late. All right. Okay. For more information on how you can support the podcast, please visit us at anchor.fm backslash Bravo Zulu podcast. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of Joshua Moore and the individuals 
involved and do not necessarily represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us.